Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know that we have interviewed the host of a cannabis industry podcast. We have talked to very recently a cannabis industry trade reporter. And today we're kind of broadening things a little bit um, by talking to the cannabis industry reporter for the, a general outlet, the Denver Post, with millions of readers throughout Colorado. So you'll be hearing from Tini Ricciardi, who has so generously agreed to talk about what she likes and what she doesn't like about CBD story pitches. And today's conversation is going to be particularly useful for CBD business owners wrestling with the challenge of talking to the media about their products, about your business. And by the end of this episode, you're going to be able to develop a solid media pitch strategy and confidently reach out to reporters at your target outlets with a compelling story angle. You know, different stories are going to appeal to uh, different types of reporters and reporters at different outlets as well. And think about this. You could have the same story and look at it from a totally different angle. So we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But like we normally do, um, we'll break this down into three mini conversations, starting first with how you should engage with reporters Then you'll get strategies to find out what reporters want and need. And then finally, we're going to deep dive into what types of stories reporters are looking for. So we'd love to hear your comments. Um, Think about and put in the comment section, you know, have you had hits and misses? What do you really struggle with? What really scares you about? And I think scares is the right word, scares you when you're calling a reporter. Um, Or have you had some phenomenal successes. We want to hear from you and we will get back with you and talk with you. And if you have any questions, you just let us know, just throw them in the comments. And we also have our free downloadable one sheet this week. It's the 10 steps to building reporter relationships on Twitter. So make sure you log on to movethestairs.com and you can download that for free. All right, let's get started. We are going to help you understand how to find out what reporters want and need. So we want to welcome Teeny Ricciardi from the Denver Post. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, you're so nice to, to uh, 
volunteer your time and join us today. We can't wait to dig in and find out um, more about how you like to report for the audience of the Denver Post. So you and I have chatted a little bit and you mentioned that the vast majority of CBD story pitches aren't that interesting or they feel too salesy or you just don't like them. I really want to hear from you. What do you hate the most about the CBD business pitches that you receive? Sure. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm a CBD hater. I think that there is... Um, a barrier of knowledge that is missing with the general consumer. Um, as far as pitches are concerned, though, it feels like every time I receive a pitch about CBD, uh, it's about it's the exact same. You know, it's hey, up your wellness regimen, or hey, this is the new health thing. And as someone who um, has been a cannabis consumer for you know a couple, probably about fifteen years, um, recreationally. CBD is not something that's really integrated into my personal life. Um, it's, it, I, I have trouble finding a lot of relevancy in the pitches, if that makes sense. And um, just besides that, they all seem to come off the same. That so, is a really good point. Thank you. It is, it is a good point. Um, and what I'm really interested in is what, I, it, this is a different question than I think I'm supposed to ask, but I've got to follow up is, what would interest you? Yeah, so the one CBD story that I have written um, was about Charlotte Figgy, who is a household name. Um, when you're pitching reporters, you really got to think about, from my perspective, you guys are trying to sell me a pitch, and I'm trying to do the same thing with my audience. So, you know, in journalism, we want people to read our stories, right? We're not just writing stories to send them out into the ether and um, satisfy our own needs. We're, we're trying to give people information that they want and they need, and most importantly, that they're actually going to read. So when I think about um, CBD pitches, I kind of try to think about, okay, well, what's the headline here? It's very rare that I'm going to write specifically about a single company unless they're doing something incredibly innovative. Um, so therefore, I'm looking for trend stories. I'm looking for um, relevancy right now in the pop culture. Um, I think I mentioned innovation, uh, things that are things that are going to interest people that aren't already out there before that are not specific necessarily to a single company. Tini, can I ask you one more follow-up? You also have to sell your editor, right? 100%. That so is you, absolutely true. So we, so when we're pitching you, we have to think about the fact that we have to give you enough so that you feel comfortable going and making a pitch. I mean, that pitch is really like whisper down the lane in a lot of respects. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you think about the evolution of newspapers. Every year we're being asked to do more with less, right? So our time is very, very valuable. And when we think about the stories we want to pursue, we're thinking a lot about the ROI. And so we want to spend our limited time writing, crafting stories that are going to be the most valuable to our audience. One of the things that you know we tell our, our clients, Tini, is you know when a reporter calls, uh, you look at it as an opportunity because you do, you do have an opportunity to say, you know, this is what we do, tell our story. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious if, you know, you agree with that angle. Then I've got one more question for you. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that angle. I mean, um, 
reporters are calling companies and people because they're experts. And, you know, I don't write stories based on my opinions or, I mean, there are things that I'm knowledgeable about, but I'm always mm -hmm. looking to pursue someone else's opinion who has more knowledge about it. At the end of the day, I'm a question asker. I want right. to get to know a subject from someone who knows it as well. So um, if I'm giving you a call, it's because I think that you have a valuable perspective. I think that's a really good um, um, piece of information for folks to know out there who are listening. And I want to go back to something you mentioned just a few minutes ago, too, um, when you're talking about, uh, you know, when you are pitched and you don't necessarily um, you can't just talk to one company in most cases. You have to have some other interesting nugget out there. So how often mm -hmm. um are you writing stories and you're given a pitch with one angle and you say, Hey, this is kind of neat, but you get to talking with your source and you say, Oh, wow, actually, I think we should go this way with the story because you uncover a, another nugget that um, maybe they weren't even thinking about. Oh yeah. That happens all the time. So normally when I'm pursuing a story, um, you know, it works both ways. Sometimes I receive pitches that intrigue me to want to reach out and learn more about that subject. Other times, I'm, you know, thinking of things and seeing trends in my inbox that I want to go out and pursue. And I'm reaching out about something different. Um, I re just recently, I'm covering a wide array of things right now, um, but I'm working on a story about Colorado hop farm growers um, and growers, hop farms and hop growers. Mm -hmm. And I recently went out, my thought was like, hey, climate change is one of the biggest thing affecting farmers throughout the United States. I wonder how it's affecting this industry. And I had a couple of interviews and the more that I heard, um, the less important climate change is versus actually just finding an audience to sell their product to. Right. So that's definitely informing my angle on the story. But when I heard, you know, to me, I thought climate change would be one of the most important things affecting these growers. Turns out it's one thing affecting them, but it's definitely not the most important. That's really such a good um, example of how I think building that relationship with reporters, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And becoming a really useful resource um, is the basis of a continuing relationship with a reporter. Mm -hmm. So you might not be, you know, useful or a good interview or, you know, something, it just may not work out right now, but you know, if you're a useful um helpful source of information, it might work out down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just because I don't, well, I try to respond to almost every pitch I receive, whether it's like, this isn't a fit for me right now, um, or, you know, I do want to pursue a story about this. Um, but just because it's not working out right now, I tell people, you know, don't be afraid to get in my inbox. The more that I see you um, you know, your pitch doesn't stand alone in my inbox. So if something you're pitching me about aligns with something I'm hearing about or something I've thought about, if I have a note about like, oh, this sounds interesting, then there is a, the potential that I'm going to get back to you at a different time. Bless your heart for answering that many emails. You told me that you you were just on uh, out for a few days and you had how many emails when you got back? Oh, typically when I take a week off, I have about 800 to a thousand new emails I have to send through. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So I want you to tell us how much time do you, are you going to give each of those emails as you're flicking through your inbox? And what's that trigger of like, keep delete, keep delete. What, what are you thinking as you go through those emails? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, some of those I subscribe to a lot of email lists and industry newsletters just to keep up with what's going on in the industry. But as far as pitches, um, I'll, I'll t talk to you on a daily basis because getting back from vacation is a little bit intense. I'm a little bit more liberal with the delete button. Um, but on a daily basis, first of all, I'm looking for relevancy. Um, so if I come across a pitch, uh, the first thing I look at is the subject line. I'm like, okay, is this interesting or relevant? Um, over the last year, I've covered a lot of things for the Denver Post. I was originally hired to do cannabis, and then for about a year, I covered education. So right now, if I see an education-focused pitch in my inbox, that goes straight in the delete folder. Or I pass along, if it looks compelling enough, I pass along to my colleague who's now taking on some of that coverage. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, so it's subject line first just like a headline that I want a reader to click on. You want a subject line that is going to be intriguing to me. Um, I also really like to see uh, relevance to my audience. So the Denver Post serves people in Colorado. And while the No, the entertainment vertical, which I now work with, um, serves a lot of tourists and readers as well, it's gotta be relevant to Colorado. So the other day, I think it was yesterday, I got a pitch about THC ice cream, which, hello, interested in that. I clicked in, it's a California-based company. Uh, so my first reaction was to email her back and be like, hey, is this available in Colorado? The publicist said, no, it's not, hopefully one day. And I said, cool, let me know what that happens. Until then, I can't write about this. Um, it's not relevant to my audience. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I look for trends. One thing that is, I've noticed in the cannabis space, not specifically CBD, but also CBD is, just the amount of pitches I receive is too much. Um, there are some publicists who will pitch me every single week on the same product, trying to leverage a different angle. And you know, I, I don't need you to do that every week for me to remember what your product is or that it will be relevant to my coverage one day. Um, for me, it's quality of pitches over quantity of pitches. Cause again, I get so many emails in a day. <laughs> that <laughs> um, if I keep seeing your name and the same product, just a different angle, like it, I'm going to get a little burnt out. That is some sound advice. I, I really hope people write that down because quality right. over quantity. Uh, boy, that's mm -hmm. what we should name this podcast. That's some great <laughs> advice. Um, and for everyone listening, don't forget, we do have that free downloadable. Just log on to movethestairs.com and you can learn how to build relationships with reporters on Twitter like Teeny. And if you're, if you're wondering what move the stairs means, basically it means you take what life gives you, you look for the opportunity in it, and you make the most of it. You don't whine, you don't say if only, you look at exactly what you've got, you really focus in, and you look for that little nugget of opportunity, move the stairs on that, and you'll be surprised at what opens up and how you can really change something that most everyone else is saying, oh, if only, so I can't do anything. Hmm. Get up and move the stairs. <laughs> So <clears throat> we're going to get into our next topic, which is how to find out what reporters want and need, because that's really the, the heart of it here. And Teeny, what we tell our clients is that it is important to reach out and help reporters and be engaging without being pests on social media and even providing additional information for stories before they pitch a story. What do you think of that approach? Is that useful to you? Does that feel valuable and authentic? I love it. I love it so much. I mean, Sarah, you were one person I put a question on Twitter on my birthday last year and was like, I want to bake myself a cake. I don't know how to bake. 
what should I do? And you responded with a recipe, you know, that had nothing to do with you. I don't think I even knew that you were a publicist at that time. You were just a kind voice on Twitter offering me a recipe. It's a really podcast. good cake, by the way. I messed it up. I don't know what I did, but I messed it up. You'll have to make it for me sometime. I will do <laughs> that deal. But, you know, I, I think that that goes a long way because, you know, it, it's just like cold pitching. If you've ever done cold calls, it's a lot harder to instantaneously make a relationship with someone when they've never heard of you before. Uh, presumably, you're only just interested in them to solicit something. Um, as a journalist, I mean, I have to do that a lot. But when I call and I say I work for the Denver Post, I'm not trying to sell something. So I think that people might give me a little bit more time. Um, but when you are trying to sell something, especially to a journalist who's constantly being tried to like sold stuff, um, making those personal connections can go a long way. And, you know, pre pandemic, it was a lot of like, Hey, I was doing that outreach. Like, Hey, I see that you're a mover and shaker in this space. I'd love to get together over coffee, hear a little bit about what you do, who you represent. Um, now in post pandemic times, I think it's even more important to try and establish just a little thread of personal personability before um, doing that. And I, I think a little bit can go a long way. I think you're so right. And you know, to follow up on that, what makes somebody a thought leader to you? What makes somebody, I mean, when you're reaching out to a mover and shaker or somebody you think is a mover and shaker, how did they get mm -hmm. to that position in your mind? That's what we really want to know. Yeah. So one of the little secrets about journalism is that sometimes um, time and the response time, the more quickly you're able to get back to me, the more likely I am to work with you. Um, you know, especially in breaking news situations where, you know, the Department of Revenue puts out marijuana sales monthly data. Um, I would like some context to go with that. So I'm hitting up people who have pitched me from data firms um, that know sales trends to try and find a little bit of context what's going on in Colorado. Uh, I've had some success with that. I've also had instances where someone's like, oh, hey, can I get you someone tomorrow? And I'm like, well, the story needs to go up today. So if you can't get me someone today, then I'm calling the next person. Um, so time is of the essence. And that's also goes back to um, if you've been in my inbox before and I know the clients you're representing, the more likely I am to call you and say, hey, you sent me that pitch about sales on 420. What do you have about Colorado cannabis sales in the month of June? You know, um, so being able to make yourself known who your clients are without, you know, over pitching or being a little bit overzealous, I think is really important. Otherwise, I mean, I'm constantly reading. I'm online all day. Uh, in the morning, I'm checking my email, the newsletters. I have a Feedly where I'm keeping up with our competitors, yeah. keeping up with national trade pubs that don't necessarily cover our market. But, you know, so I, I'm sort of in tune with the movers and shakers. And um, I'll also lean on trade groups. You know, a lot of things that we do um, when I talk to brewers or growers or the marijuana industry group, um, and I'm asking about a specific subject, I'm like, who else do you know that I should talk to? Um, so it is a lot of networking as well. Sounds like you've got quite the the system there. <laughs> 
That's, that's hit really it from all angles. <laughs> seriously, though. I mean, sometimes when you do read those articles, you're like, oh, my gosh, how did she find that person? Uh, mm -hmm. Well, there, there you go. Now you know how. But yeah, you know, it, well, and the approach varies, you know, like um, covering features and business is very different than what I did in education. Education was the first time that I was really reporting about normal people, you know, people who are moms and dads 24 seven, 365, who, you know, this is not their job. They don't have a publicist. And that was a very different approach to find people. Um, so, you know, it varies depending on what you're covering and what you're writing about. So when you are looking for those people, Tini, you know, how important is it to you that they are um, quotable? You know, what, what is it that you're listening for when you're interviewing them that, you know, uh, that light goes off and you're like, oh, my gosh, like that is the quote that's going to make this article. Yeah, there are light bulb moments like that. I would say um, you can tell when someone hasn't necessarily been media trained. And I think that's fine. I prefer people who are candid. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that if you're not quotable, I'm not going to use our interview, you know, a, the integrity of the interview is more important to me than the actual soundbite. And that's the luxury of working in a print medium in words. Um, but, you know, if you are quotable, it is a little bit easier. Sometimes I'm listening back to interviews and, and I know that I do this in interviews too, but I, people will answer a question and then at the, they'll like, almost finish a sentence and then they'll circle back and sort of repeat what they said at the beginning of the sentence or get off topic. Um, it's really hard when you don't speak in complete thoughts and complete sentences for me to pull a quote out of that um, because I'm normally recording the interviews because I want to maintain the integrity of the interview and I don't want to be wrong. And I hear a lot of complaints from people about being misquoted over the years I have. Um, and so that's really important to me not to do that. Um, but I would say, you know, the quote itself is a little less important than the information you're putting forth. You know, I think that's fantastic information and you do have to be relaxed, but I do think sometimes media training helps because it helps you get your ideas together so that when you're asking questions, you are coming up with uh, the, the person who's being interviewed is coming up with those sentences that one thought per are, sentence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thought per sentence, which obviously I couldn't do just then. So never mind. Um, anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, no, and, and I think it says something like there's a really fine balance between being media trained and uh, genuine in your responses. You have to. And yes. Versus when I can tell someone has written out exactly what they want to say oh, and they're right, sticking no. to a script it's and it right, feels after, really you know, rehearsed. You'll be really happy that when we media train and we do message points, we tell people do not memorize these message points. The idea is to have your thoughts in the back of your head, but you have to be natural when you're talking to the reporter. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So we're right there with you when it comes to that. So yeah, um, absolutely. On, our next, on our next podcast, I just want you to know that we're going to talk to a major CBD business insider who is going to talk about what's coming down the pike between now and the end of the year. And you know, a big part of brand protection PR is looking for those opportunities because you know something's coming down and you wanna be prepared for it and you wanna be able to move the stairs. And maybe you wanna reach out to somebody like Teeny and say, do you know about this? We just had a situation that happened with like that about a month ago. It made a huge difference with the reporter. It was a trade reporter because it was more of a trade story, Teeny, so don't feel bad. Um, but no worries. <laughs> 
<laughs> we uh, we uh, reached out to, and she didn't know this one little thing was happening, but it was turned out to be a much bigger thing. So make sure that you listen um, in a couple of weeks when we drop our next Move the Stairs podcast. All right. So our last topic here, and this is, I think, going to be really fascinating. What types of stories are our reporters looking for. So we really want to pick your brain here, Teeny. And this is just like Diane said, so important for what we specialize in, which is brand protection PR and looking, paying attention to trends and figuring out what's, you know, where are people headed next? What are people interested in hearing about next? What are the media um, going to need to cover next? And from your perspective with a general, fairly general audience, what do you think that your readers are most interested in when it coming when it comes to hearing about CBD? Like, you know, what are you when you open up your inbox in the morning? What are you looking for? What are you hoping to see um, that would be different from that? You know, barrage of pitches that you get every day. You know, that is such a good question that I don't necessarily know. I have the answer to. Um, I've struggled a little bit trying to figure out how to cover CBD. Uh, I mentioned Charlotte Figgy earlier, who was a medical cannabis uh, mover and shaker. She, you know, is a household name. She passed away last April. I wrote her obit. Um, her family was, she was paramount in the development of the CBD industry. A human interest story like that to me is huge, especially when it has a local tie. Um, the other CBD story that I've written recently is about Molson Coors releasing a CBD sparkling beverage, because to me, that says a lot about, okay, big players are getting into the industry. What do they see here? Otherwise, I don't really know. You know, a general audience, I think I mentioned at the top of the podcast, like there's such a barrier to knowledge. CBD is kind of ubiquitous now, right? You see it everywhere. It's advertised in coffees, topicals, uh, tinctures like, but there's not a ton of research out there about its effectiveness. It's one of those things for me personally, like the effects are not tangible. So I don't know. And it's super subjective. Every person's experience is subjective. So let me ask you, let me ask me, you a quick question. Yeah. There's, there are probably right now, I would say at least two dozen clinical trials going on right now with CBD. So if mm -hmm. I said to you, I know in about two weeks that there's, and I'm making this up, but it's a hypothetical. So, but I know in about two weeks, there's going to be a clinical trial that's going to re release results on um, older women, sex, and how CBD is helping them in the bedroom. Would that, would that interest you? 1000%. <laughs> Mostly exactly. because of the subject of the clinical trial though. Exactly. Exactly. That's what, so... I think that that's where we're missing out on getting you involved in CBD is that there are these amazing clinical trials that go from muscular dystrophy to women and sex um, that are going on right now. So that's mm -hmm. where I'm thinking now that we've heard, man, I don't think there's that much going on and my head is just spinning on the things that I know are going on. Then I say, oh man, now this helps me know how I can become a thought leader with you because I can say, I know something's coming up. I just wanted to give you a heads up on this. If you're interested, let me know. And yeah. I'm done, right? That's that's a pitch right there. And, Definitely. and that's that's how I wanna help our, our CBD business owners. And let me ask you about this one. 
Um, mm -hmm. Wherever you're, I'm, uh, I just received, so the pitch might be, I just received 50 emails with this question about CBD. And so it's obvious to me that so many of my clients don't know this and whatever that question was. I'm thinking that that depending on what the question was, that could be something that interested you because you hear that people are talking about it. Would you agree with that? Possibly. Okay. Depends. Because who are the people who are talking about it? Are they in industry insiders or are they folks who are intrigued by CBD? Are right. these people who use cannabis recreationally for the THC effects? You know, it, we talk a lot about audience and I'm sure that that's not a, a strange topic for you guys either. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm considering a story idea, I got to think about, okay, who is this for and how is it relevant? Um, you said something that triggered something for me, but now I forgot. So we can the vast majority of the pitches that come to my inbox are here's my CBD company. Here's why it's great for wellness. Right. We have this proprietary formula. And once I've heard that 800 times, I'm like, well, you know, and when I personally don't know anyone who uses CBD in a health regimen, right. um, the effects are not like THC where they're instantaneous and you know exactly what it's doing to your body. You know, there's just a lot of ambiguity around the subject. Great, great. I think that I think that that's really helped get people think about you know, I've got to go a little bit further than this is, I'm not selling her a product. I'm not giving her the the wonderful things that my product does or why my product's different. That's not what this is. It's more of Correct. general information. And then I can position myself as the thought leader to talk more about what I know as an expert um, who happens to own this company or own this or, or own, have this product that I'm making. Correct. And because another thing that's pretty popular in the features journalism world is samples, right? Right. Um, but this goes back to the, you can send me all the CBD samples you want. I don't know what it's doing. I'm not feeling the effects. You know what I mean? Um, so in that way, I also don't know that CBD samples are really that effective um, compared to things like, oh, I'd love for you to try my new beer or things like that. Gotcha. Fascinating. That's, I mean, when, when you're looking at, I, I think Tini and Diane, both of you there um, brought up a very good point that your product may, you know, do wonderful things. But once you've seen that same subject line saying my product does all these wonderful things without a nugget, you know, without some sort of element to capture Tini's attention or another reporter's attention on, you know, what is the story here outside yeah. of your wonderful product? And I love the fact that Tini said she thinks in headlines. Yes. That to me oh, is the goodness. biggest takeaway of the day is that if we can get the CBD business owners out there to think about what's a headline of a story I would read in this particular outlet in the Denver Post in this situation. Mm -hmm. So in a major market newspaper, what's that headline? I think that helps you then start to think about crafting a story pitch. Mm -hmm. I, I think for our last question here, I just want to go back to something that you said a little bit ago when you were like, if I see a trend jumping into my inbox Mm -hmm. And I'm putting you on the spot here. So I hope that that it's uh, you can think of a trend that you put together and like give us an example of how totally um, 
different pitches from different people, different companies landed in your inbox and how you're like, hey, wait a minute, that's a trend around something. I don't know if you have any examples that you can sure. think of. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, the easy ones from a features perspective are around like holidays, you mm -hmm. know, um, specials for Pride Month. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, this is not in my inbox, but it's a similar thing. Went to the beer store the other day and saw a whole selection of low calorie IPAs, which is not something I've seen widely, let alone in the same store. So now I'm considering a story. Okay. You know, hell, beer drinkers are consistently um, worried about their calorie intake. The low calorie beer market is huge. Um, are craft brewers trying to tap into that? And if so, with their the most popular style, which is an IPA, um, we bought three of them, planning to do a taste test. You know, are these good? Um, let me try to think of another one. Um, well, I was I just thinking think of an example of not one. Yes, tell. Was trying to pitch me a trend. Yeah, um, and I hope that this company does not feel called out. I don't even remember their name, but I got a pitch that was like, hey. Forget alcohol happy hours, cannabis happy hours are the new thing. And it was a pitch <laughs> about how this camp cannabis company is hosting, you know, happy hours for its employees where they indulge in cannabis products versus alcohol. And I said, this is really interesting and this is really cool. This is literally the only time I've ever heard of it. Um, so, you know, I think that's awesome, but it sounds like you guys are trying to start something that just doesn't exist yet elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, the opposite of an, like flip that on its head. Gotcha. Teeny, what a fantastic conversation today. I am so grateful for you and your expertise and your experience and for being so willing to share all of these wonderful ideas and thoughts with, with our listeners. Um, we're really, really appreciative. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I think this has been really informative for me as well. You know, as I said at the top of the podcast, I feel like I have a lot to learn in this space um, and I haven't exactly figured out how to cover it just yet and what people are interested in. So I'm more than open to future discussions on this topic. Great. Fantastic. You'll be hearing from us. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and just to like bring it all to a close here, we have talked to how to engage with reporters and build relationships with them, strategies for finding out what reporters really want and need, um, answer those phones and get back to people immediately, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and finally, what types of stories reporters are looking for and how to um, get in their inbox in a way that will get you noticed and um, help you build that really useful, productive relationship with a reporter. So thank you for joining us on today's Move the Stairs episode. We are here to help you protect your CBD, CBD business with brand protection PR. And Jordan, I think you can take us out. Let us know. Take us home, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know how we can help you. If you have questions for us, if you have questions for Teeny, you want to get in contact with her, maybe you should wink, wink, nudge, nudge, download our Move the Stairs uh, from movethestairs.com, that 10 steps to building relationships with reporters on Twitter. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>